You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. I'd like to introduce today's speaker to you. This young man is a seminary student nearing his uh, very end of seminary. For those of you who are unfamiliar with grad school for ministry, seminary is a three to four year uh, process, for most cases full time, out of college before you're ready to get a Master of Divinity degree. It's the same degree I have. Uh, This young man, you've seen him. He's hosted online. If you have youth, uh, he's been a youth pastor to your children. Um, And this guy uh, has done a lot of worship music. He is also an artist. He has released an album. Uh, Those are all great accolades. Uh, But today I want to give you the greatest accolade, and that is I'd like to introduce you to Zachary Flegg. He is my son, whom I love, and with whom I'm well pleased. Will you give a warm Sun Grove welcome to Zach Flegg? Hello, church family. Like Dave said, or dad, whatever you want to call it, my name is Zach. I am a child of God. That's my identity. I am also a flawed human being, a broken human who needs God's grace and goodness every day. That makes us family. That makes us family. So wherever you're tuning in from today, welcome. I'm glad to get to know you and to connect with you. Feel free to use the chat. I am a pastor who likes an audience that talks back. If you talk back in church, put amen in the chat. That would be great. And like Dave said, I am in school and I work with students, which we have something in common because of that. And when I talk to students, a lot of times I like to ask them, what do you enjoy watching? What's your favorite TV show? What's your favorite movie? What's your favorite anime? And if a student had come up to me last year and said, Zach, this new season coming out, It features Kobe Bryant. There's massive catastrophes all over the place, wildfires around the world. There's a global contagion and stay-in-place order. There's crazy things happening. There's racial tension and there's unrest and revelation, the uncovering of systemic injustice all around the world, trafficking, crazy stuff going on. There's also... Ash raining from the sky for like a week. And in addition to that, hurricanes. I would be like, okay, dude, nice. That's great to hear because I'm trying to keep up with you. But you lost me. You lost me. That season had so many plot twists, so many turns. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. And if you haven't caught it yet, that season I'm talking about is 2020. You see, you and I, we have been through a lot over the last year. There's been a ton of things going on, and a lot of them have brought the general mood, the vibe, the general mood of people around us has gone way down. Can you feel that too? When you talk to neighbors, when you talk to friends, we're talking through masks, we're preserving social distance. It's hard to know when things are going to change because they're changing so quickly. We want to know what is going to happen next. What will happen next? We don't know the answer. There's a lot of uncertainty and that breeds fear. People are on edge because when you're scared, you have those fight or flight responses. It's hard to have a lot of hope looking towards the future. And there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of things we don't know. If you feel that, I feel that too. We've been through a lot, and I want to call that out. In fact, if there was a book of the Bible that represented this year, you might say, 
Ezekiel, Zach. Ezekiel is the book because there's crazy visions, crazy stuff going on, fire, smoke. You you got to read Ezekiel. That represents 2020. Some of you, maybe you're living by yourself. You'd say, Zach, this year represents the book of Jeremiah with lots of tears, lots of loneliness and and crying. And I would say, I feel you. I feel you. I understand where you're coming from. I could see that. Some of you might say, Zach, it's the book of Revelation. If that's not 2020, I don't know what is. Fire and brimstone wouldn't be surprised, honestly, at this point. That's what you would say to me. And then we read a book like James, a nice book, right? A book like James, where he says that we should rejoice when we go through sufferings of many kinds, because we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. And perseverance has to finish its work so that we become mature and complete, not lacking anything. How, James? How? Houseway, how are we going to be like this? I need to know. And by looking at the early church and seeing what they went through, It is God orchestrated. It is a perfect time. The spirit has led us to be going through this series, looking at the book of Luke, about Jesus's life and ministry, and about the book of Acts, the rise of the early church. Now for my students, I need to clarify, this is the book of Acts, like action, not like a popular body spray. Please keep that in mind. Please keep good hygiene in mind, wherever you're watching from. So today we pick up in this episode of the season of Acts with our protagonist, Paul. And Paul is a man who is doing big things for God's kingdom. And we catch up with him in chapter 13, verse 1. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. This is our friend that we're learning about. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, it doesn't tell us how, by the way. I'm going to interject a little bit. Feel free to talk back. I'm going to talk back at myself. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Pretty cool. The Holy Spirit hired them for the gig. The Holy Spirit selected them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and set off. Right there, I want to pause briefly. And here's why. We learn a couple things from these first verses. We see that Saul and his friend Barnabas are serving and worshiping and leading in a diverse church. As we look at that list of names, we see people from different regions. We see people from different ethnicities. We see people from continents like Africa and Europe and Asia gathering in one place for work. And what is that work? It's to worship God. They are fasting. That means giving something up that you like to focus on God, saying, God, I want you more than whatever it is I'm giving up. And they're praying. They're worshiping. This is beautiful. And in that place, the Holy Spirit makes it very clear to all of them through means undisclosed to us, a mystery that he wants Barnabas and Saul set apart for the work. So Indiana Jones style, cue the map montage, they set out. Let's go ahead and read verse four. It says, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Cyprus, I I don't exactly know how to say it, but it is due west, west of Israel, maybe northwest, okay, middle of the Mediterranean. When they arrived at Salamis, maybe the home of Salamis, I don't know, but it sounds delicious. They proclaimed the word of God to the Jew- in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. First place they went, to church. 
They went where people who knew about God were and communicated and worshiped along with them. They kept their routines. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There, they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, or Son of Salvation. I'm gonna pause to point at something. Get your observational eyes out to look at this with me. This is a Jewish sorcerer? That's an oxymoron, a complete reversal of words if I've ever heard it, because sorcery is banned for the Jewish people. So this might be someone who is ethnically Jewish, but in terms of religion, he is an occult person, okay? He's messing with the wrong stuff, and he would use these magic arts to hold sway over leaders or rulers with his dark powers, all right? Think Lord of the Rings. It's pretty wild stuff. He was an attendant of the proconsul named Sergius Paulus. Continuing on, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Praise God. That's awesome. But Elimus the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, sorcerer, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, hold up, He just had a name change, which is an identity change. From the rest of the book, we're going to see Saul referred to as Paul. The artist formerly known as Saul is now Paul, and he's pursuing God. This signifies the beginning of his work and major change. We're going places. He talks to this sorcerer. He looks him dead in the eye. Listen to these words. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, finding my spot filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that's right. I'm not done. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now, the hand of the Lord is against you. But before he delivers his judgment, let me make a point, point something out to you. Bar Jesus, this son of salvation or son of Messiah, okay? He looks at him and says, your name means son of salvation or God's son? God's son? Please, you're a son of the devil. Woo! You're a child of the devil. He tells it to him right like it is, and his punishment is coming. He says, now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately. Mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Nice. Whoa. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. That is awesome. We see initially in this journey that they've set out, sent by the Holy Spirit, and the power of God helps them overcome spiritual warfare. That might be a point that's important to you. God's power is more important than spiritual warfare. It's more powerful, more meaningful than any spiritual warfare that can oppress us. In the face of occultic oppression, God's power reigns supreme. We continue on Indiana Jones montage in the journey. It says, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. We'll pause there for a minute. We want to know where these places are because I've never heard of Perga or Pamphylia before this. Maybe neither have you. They went from an island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, which is west of Israel, and they went straight north 
into central Turkey, okay? So they land on the shore of central Turkey and they trek north into the Lake District. It says John left them to return to Jerusalem. This was their friend and their traveling companion. And right here in this moment, we see friendly fire. So first they had spiritual warfare and opposition, but now they have friendly fire. That's where you're taking bullets from your friends, your teammates, your back, instead of the enemy in front of you. John, also called Mark, ditches them. He leaves them. And we learn that this hurts Paul really deeply. You may relate to this. You may be experiencing spiritual warfare on the outside, and I want to encourage you, God's power is greater. You may be experiencing internal opposition in your home team, in your close circle, where there's opposition and sniping amongst the members of God's family. I want you to know, remain in the Holy Spirit. The power of God's promises can overcome this as well. And we see that by the continued fruit as Paul and Barnabas stay faithful. Last time, Indiana Jones montage, they're gonna leave from Perga. They went on to Pisidian Antioch. This is a city in the Lake District of Turkey. Next, on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue. They went to church and sat down. They are keeping their routines. And the synagogue wasn't just church. It was also like a civic center, okay? A place for Jewish community, for people who believe in God to have a safe space. And for people who hadn't yet met the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Jewish people, people who hadn't met that God could learn about him. And so we see this happening in church. Reading on, it says, after the reading from the law and the prophets, The leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of exhortation, calling something out of us for the people, please speak. And I don't know about you, but Paul was having a good day. He was having a good day as a pastor. He's about to preach, preach. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand. He said, quiet down. I'm about to spit some heat. And he said, fellow Israelites, that's the Jewish people, and you Gentiles, non-Jewish people who worship God. Listen to me. Listen up. I'm about to drop some bars. And for the people who don't know God, he gives a history lesson. He begins, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with mighty power. He led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges, rulers, until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king and he gave them Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin who ruled 40 years. Their first king, not their best king, right? He's given the history lesson. After removing Saul, good to know, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. God brought David to the people and said, this is your guy. He's spending a little extra time here because he wants them to pay attention to David. And so will we. From David, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the savior Jesus as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. This brings us all the way up to just before the present day. He's showing them you live in the middle of God's big story. As John was completing his work, he said, who do you suppose I am? 
I am not the one you are looking for. He says, I am not the droid you are looking for. He says, the Messiah is coming. The one who is promised by God, God's salvation, he's coming. But there's one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I am not worthy to unlace his shoes. Wow, Messiah is coming. Fellow children of Abraham, you religious people, you who have the ethnicity that was chosen and elected by God, and you God-fearing Gentiles, people who are exploring faith, it is to us, not just religious people, not just secular people, not just a race of people, not just an ethnicity of people, not just a nationality of people. It is to us. Turn to your neighbor and say, us, to us. Turn to them, tell them, it's not just me. It's not just you. It's us. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate, the ruler, to have him executed, unjust. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. It's important for Paul to show them that Jesus really died and was really buried. But God raised him from the dead. Woo! And for many days, he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. It's your family. It's your countrymen. It's your friends. They saw it. They saw this happen with their own eyes. We tell you the good news. Yes, we need some good news in times like today. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. Pause. You see, throughout this history lesson, there's one key element that binds it all together, and that is God's promise. Paul was preaching, preaching this day. He said, God chose our forefathers. He elected us as the nation through which he was going to bless all nations on earth. He elected us. He exalted us when we were in a season of bondage and oppression. He exalted us and brought us out. Not just that, he extracted us Paul is preaching, preaching. He brought us out from that place. He endowed us with the land and gave it to us. He endured our conduct in the wilderness when we were walking away from God. God instituted the prophets. He instituted the judges. He instituted the kingship. And God has engineered a family line to bless all nations. And he blessed all nations through the person of Jesus, descended from our forefather, David. Check the genealogy. Check ancestry.com. Check the receipt. Jesus is real. And not only that, not only was he promised throughout all of history, a promise to all these people, that promise includes you and me. It is to us that this promise was fulfilled, which was given to our forefathers. Come on, Paul is preaching, preaching today. And in the synagogue, they're excited. He goes on to give some examples from their history about how God is the father of Jesus, how God chose him. He didn't let him see decay, but he raised him from the dead. Let me tell you, that is exciting news. How was it received? Let's skip on and find out towards the end of Paul's sermon. Verse 36 He says, now, verse 36, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he died, 
was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed, but the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Friends, I'm here to tell you that you and I will surely die. There's your encouraging word for this morning's sermon, but for real, we are all going to die, whether it's from a virus, whether it's from violence, whether it's from natural causes. We don't like to think about it, but it's the truth. You and I are going to die. And you see, there is a sin problem in our world. There is a virus greater than any that have ever been seen before. And this virus does have the effect of social distancing you from God. And I'm not just using this for a ploy because you see the wrong things that we've done to ourselves and to others and to God, the ways that we've fallen short, they have caused great damage. And this damage permanently injures our relationship with God. It makes a separation from us and God where God in all his holiness has no part with sin and judgment. And so either we can leave God out of the picture and be separated permanently from his love, his goodness, his light by our own choice. We condemn ourselves to hell. God is just. He allows you to choose your sentence. God is just. He allows you to choose your sentence. And in this moment, he is calling your heart. He's calling my heart. And he's saying, you know what? Death is not your final master. There's something more permanent than death. And it is the promises of God. That's our big idea. And I want to bring that to you today. God's promises are permanent. You see, we can know that by looking back at our history. We need to know where we came from to understand where we are now so we have an idea of where we're going with God in the future. God has made promises to each of these individuals he mentioned. He promised to Abraham. He promised to Moses leading the people of Israel. He promised through covenantal relationship with the whole nation of Israel. He promised to the judges about what would happen if they walked away from his love and compassion, the natural result. He promised to King David that he would give him a line through which his saving power would come in the person of Jesus. He promised Jesus is the personal fulfillment of that promise. We know God's promises are permanent because not even death could hold God's promises back. He exalted Jesus to the highest place in the name above every name. And you see, you and I are also people who have received God's promises. God's promises are permanent and you have received some of God's promises. What are those promises? There are many to count, but I want to share a few things that God promises to you. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this. It says, do not fear. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I'm going to help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand and God Almighty flexed his right bicep. I'm thinking that's how it works. I will strengthen you, help you and uphold you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says that God promises to guide you and to lead you. Don't rely on your own understanding. Submit all your ways to me. Include me in it all and I will make your path straight. 1 John 5, 11 through 12 is a promise that he who has the son of God, if you have relationship with Jesus, you will have life and life everlasting. And if you don't have Jesus, there is no relationship with God and that will not save you. You are apart from God and that is something so serious. 1 John 1, 9 gives the reason for hope and restored relationship. It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful, he's just, and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness righteousness. And some of you need to make that decision today. Some of you need to say, I have a condition that I cannot solve. It's called my own brokenness. It's called my own failures. It's called the ways I've hurt myself and others. And you need to invite Jesus into your heart and life. And if you want to do that, 
We're praying right now. It's not in my notes, but it's in God's notes. And here's where we're going to pray. You're going to say these words with me. There's nothing special or formulaic. It's just be real in your heart. All right. Say, God, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus is Lord. Please forgive me of the wrong things I've done. Please come into my life. I want to live every moment of every day together with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, you are receiving God's word with joy. And that's exactly what happened for these believers in the Jewish synagogue. We're going back to church, y'all. We're going back to the scriptures and we're gonna see the result. Listen to this, starting at verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from the power of sin, is set free from every sin. A justification, legal term, meaning just as if I never did it, wasn't me. Just as if I never did it. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. You see, religion can't save you. Relationship with Jesus. A real living relationship with a real living God. Every moment of every day. Not just a prayer. Not just church on Sunday. Every moment of every day. That's the relationship God wants with you. And as Paul and Barnabas finished up in verse 40, 42, it says they were leaving the synagogue and the people invited them to speak further. Sounds like they received with joy. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews, the religious people, those who grew up in the church, saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. You see, if grace gets out, that means it's all about God and the spotlight moves off of us. It moves onto his goodness and not onto our show. And they didn't like that very much. See what happens. They were filled with jealousy, not a good thing. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and don't consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, the people who don't know God, those who are far from God. For this is what God's commanded us. I've made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And that work is still going on today, praise God. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city, those large and in charge, and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This last story, we saw at the beginning that they had spiritual warfare. They had occultic opposition, dark spiritual powers, and then they had friendly fire, and then they had external opposition. Whether that's spiritual warfare that you're going through, whether that's internal opposition from friends, family, those close to you, or whether that's external opposition from the world around you, God's promises are permanent. So what is our part? What is our part to play? Because you see, it doesn't end when you accept Jesus. That's just the beginning. What is your part to play in this story? Let's look at verse 36. This is our encouragement as we're beginning to close. When David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. 
He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Ugh, details. Didn't need to know that, okay? But David served God's purpose in his own generation. That is your call and my call too. Here's what I want to show you. I have here an hourglass and an hourglass is used to measure time. I don't think there's a whole hour's worth of time in here. But if I were to invert this hourglass, grains of sand begin to spill from the top down into the bottom receptacle here. And it shows that time is finite. There's a limited amount. It's not permanent. At some point, this is gonna run out when the time is up. Time is temporary. But I discovered something God brought to mind, and that is you need to look at it from the other side. If you look at this hourglass here, in this shape, it looks like a black widow spider reminding us that we're gonna die and time is fleeting. I'm just joking. Don't pick up black widows. It's a bad idea. But if you turn the hourglass sideways, it resembles a figure eight. It resembles a symbol for infinity. I want you to think about this. Use temporary time for a permanent purpose. Use temporary time for a permanent purpose, y'all. We might have a little more time than we did before COVID. Our time might look a little different than it did before COVID. And that can be unsettling and that can be uncertain. But my encouragement to you is use the temporary time you have for a permanent purpose. It's gonna last forever and it's gonna be meaningful. How do we know that? Let's look back one more time at our dear friend, Paul. His final communication is a letter to a young man in ministry named Timothy. And this is what he says as he's in prison in Rome, rotting in a cell about to die, executed in a public arena for his faith. Encouraging things. Don't worry about it. It gets better. Listen to this. You, however, Timothy, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch. Yeah, we just read about that, Paul. You got kicked out of the city. Iconium and Lystra, that's next week. Come back. The persecutions I endured. He's sharing battle stories. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why are we equipped by the word of God? What's the point of this thing? It's useful to equip us for every good work. I wanna ask you, what's the work God has given to you? What's in your hand? Most days in my hand, there's a textbook and a phone book or a roster, a list of students and leaders and people to care and check in for. What's in your hand? Is it plumbing materials? Are you a plumber? Are you a student? Is it a Chromebook and Zoom? What's in your hand, mom? Where are you these days? Are you at home, working from home, out in the field? Dad, what's your job? What are you doing? What's in your hand? What has God placed in your hand? You see, when David served God's purpose in his own generation, he died and his body saw decay, but he served God and God's permanent promises That's the right kind of purpose. You see, you and I will die. Our bones will decay. Things will fade away. Jobs change. Living situations change. Family changes. 
the only permanent thing is God's identity and God's promises. So I'm here to encourage you to use temporary time for a permanent purpose. Serve the promises of God. You are a promised people. God has made some promises to you. You need to work the word. All right, we're about to get real practical here. In the Bible, Joshua chapter one, it says, keep this book of the law always on your mouth. Keep God's name in your mouth at all times in holy and right ways. Meditate on it day and night so that you can be careful to do everything commanded in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. We saw that, that even when God's people were in a terrible situation in Egypt, he used that time to help them persevere and he exalted them. You will be prosperous and successful as you follow what God has said. And even at the end of your life, you'll be able to look back and say, I worked the word. I built my life on a permanent purpose. Everything else is going to shift. Everything else is going to shake. But by following God's promises, I used my temporary time. I used the sand in my hourglass for a permanent purpose. I used the little limited amount I had for something that lasts forever. Only what's done for Christ and with Christ will last. Keep that in your heart and your minds this week. And I want to encourage you, use your temporary time to serve a permanent purpose. Make God a part of your daily routine. Make God a part of your hourly routine. Make God a part of your minute by minute routine. Pray to him at the beginning of the day. Keep his word on your heart. Worship in the shower. Worship on your way to work. Listen to Bible studies. Get in a circle group, get in a virtual online circle group, get yourself surrounded by godly community. You see, at the beginning of the service, we talked about Kobe Bryant. He was known for his mamba mentality that allowed him to do insane things on the court. But those moments were forged by the life of practice he led off the court. And in the same way, the apostle Paul, this mamba mentality man of the faith who wrote a ton of our New Testament that you and I are encouraged by that God still speaks through today, even in the middle of a pandemic and hard times. Paul says this at the end of my life, remember, remember my way of life. Not just remember that Bible study I gave you in fourth grade. Remember my way of life. You remember how I worked up and grinded. You remember how I was in the gym at 5.30 in the morning getting up shots when the rest of y'all were sleeping. You remember my way of life. Does your way of life use temporary time for God's permanent purpose? And if not, why? Why? Only what's done for Christ will last. I want to encourage you with everything you have. It could be as simple as setting your alarm a little bit earlier. It could be as simple as speaking to God when you get in your car saying, God, thanks for a car. Thanks for safety. I pray you take me safely. Be over my day. It might be as simple as praying before you go into your next routine, your next Zoom class, your next thing you're doing. It could be as simple as saying, you know what? My goal for this week is to memorize one verse. If I can memorize rap lyrics, I can memorize one verse. I might make a beat. I might make my own verse and make a way to remember it. In all these things, use temporary time for God's permanent purposes. And at the end of time, God's permanent promise is going to carry us through. Love, love, love. Go live God's truth. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.